New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today I'm speaking with Margaret J. Wheatley, and she's the author of So Far From Home, Lost and Found in Our Brave New World, as well as the book Perseverance. Meg, thank you so much for being with us today on the cafe. Well, I'm glad to be here. Yes, me too. So, Meg, we're so far from home. What does that mean? I'm glad you asked that question. For me, it's about evoking the sense that we are not where we hope to be. We're not where we plan to be. We're not where we've worked so hard to be. And that even though the word home is this very vague word, it's very evocative of the places we yearn for, the relationships we want, and this feeling of belonging. And what I see now is that we are now in a world so different from the world, the society, the relationships that we've been working so hard to create. And we really need to understand how we got here. How did we get so far from from home? I'm reminded of The Wizard of Oz when um, Dorothy says, there's no place like home, there's no place like home. And she comes back a very changed person when she finally does get back to Kansas. Yes, and I think for me, um, I want us to look clearly and truthfully at where we are so that we can find our way forward. I structure the book around a quote that for me is, is the essence of our path, and it's from the Tibetan Buddhist master Chögyam Trungpa. He said, We cannot change the way the world is, but as we open to the world as it is, we may discover that gentleness, decency, and bravery are available not only to us but to all human beings. So for me, this path is that we first have to acknowledge that we're lost. We've really ended up in a place so different than what we were working hard to create. So if we open to that world as it is, we discover the very capacities we need to be useful, to be of service in that world. Gentleness, decency, bravery, these are great qualities. But the only way that we evoke them or discover them is by truly facing reality, by not, you know, not thinking that it's getting better, because it's not, not thinking that suddenly we'll all evolve into a higher state of consciousness because the world is transforming, but it's not transforming in the direction we wanted it to. It's actually getting very destructive and negative and aggressive and warlike, and we have to recognize that if we want to make a contribution and if we want to be good human beings. So I love that quote because it describes what happens when we stop denying. So when we really look reality in the face and say, it's bloody awful, 
and then we discover the very qualities we need to be of use, to be of value to people. So in being of value and recognizing how we can be of value, you suggest in your book it's without an expectation of a certain outcome. That's right. I'm very focused these days on what motivates us. And I'm finding that in looking at the lives of activists, great leaders of the past, um, people who really did persevere, they discovered something that is called right work, the work that I know is mine to do no matter what. As one young woman recently said to me, she said, I realize that I do what I do because it's my work to do. And I think once we find that place of, it's not only clarity, for me it's a visceral, it's a real feeling that, yes, I am in this very moment, in this conversation, in this presentation, in this thing I've just written, this feels like a huge, overwhelming yes. This is what I'm here to do. And this is not superficial. This is not about finding your passion. This is about finding the work that you know you're supposed to be doing, no matter how much opposition, how many times you fail, how many setbacks, how much you're criticized, no matter what. And whether you succeed in achieving anything, it almost becomes irrelevant. It becomes replaced by this deep conviction that this is what I'm meant to be doing. And that's you know, what I mean by the term right work. And for me, it is absolutely motivating. So what I hear you saying, it's it's about the process and not the product. Well, and it's a little more than that, because the process is how we go about doing the work, and that is really essential. But the definition of what is the work is, in my own case, I will strive till the end of my life, to be someone who continues to call attention to the human spirit and what people are capable of. And that is the essence of what I do. And no matter whether I succeed or fail in that, I'm going to continue to give voice to that. And you give voice to that because it's what fills your heart in some way with with delight, and that in itself is the motivation. It's more than delight. It's a much deeper feeling. I mean, there's some way in which we've gotten used to looking for things that make us happy or delight us or that we feel passionate about. I'm speaking from a much deeper clarity, a much deeper sense of conviction. And, you know, it's the sense of rightness, And I know that's even a problematic word these days, but it's the sense of deep conviction that this is what I stand for, this is why I'm here, and I will continue to do this work. It's, you know, I'm thinking of the motivation of people who struggled to end apartheid in South Africa. Yes. You know, spent 20 years in prison. And I'm thinking of the people who never gave up in the civil rights movement. There's nothing superficial, and it's very hard. Very hard. But it's worthwhile. I mean, it's what makes a life worthwhile. What about companions on this journey? Uh, How important is that? Nobody can succeed through difficulty without 
real human community and something we're starting to learn in the Western world. Humans can get through anything as long as we're together. But for this work of really being counter the cultural dynamics of fear and anxiety and polarization and actually standing up for the human spirit, we absolutely need to be together in much stronger relationships than we've yet experienced. You know, nothing casual about this. We need to be there for each other. We need to know that when you get in a hard place and you're going to call me up, I'm instantly going to call you back. You know, you're my priority because I know that you need me at that moment. It's the kind of support that soldiers offer to each other. And I've spoken to a lot of former military people who say that, you know, I've been out of uh, the military for 20 years, and yet to this day, if a buddy of mine calls and says, I need you, I don't ask why. I just get on a plane and show up. That's the quality of our relationships that I think we need to now start to focus on. You've given a wonderful example of General Sherman. This is in the Civil War days when he wrote a letter to Ulysses Grant. That's right. This has been sort of my dream of the quality of relationships that we could create. And it was at the end of the Civil War, and General Sherman, after he had ravaged the South, was writing to his commanding general, General Grant, about why they won, the reasons why they were successful. And the quote that was in the letter was when General Sherman said to General Grant, I always knew you thought of me and that if I got in a tight place, you would come if alive. And I learned that 20 years ago from the Army Chief of Staff, and it's been my real quest and yearning to, one, appreciate that we now need to be with each other and be there for each other in whole new ways. And then the question is how. But we can start to be there for each other right now once we realize that it really is a battle out there. It's really nasty out there. We need to be there for each other. So I've been with people, groups of educators or others who, you know, have their buddies on a speed dial. And they say to each other, if I see your name come up on my phone, I will call you back as soon as I can. That's a big commitment in these times of fast pace and just dipping lightly into things. So it takes commitment. It takes some time. And we feel pressed for time. And so that's a big one. Yeah, this is making our relationships our first priority, knowing that that's what will give us the support and help that we need. So we just have to notice how distracted and how little time we have for relationships and reverse that by changes in our behavior. Exactly. Meg, I want to thank you so much for being with us on the cafe today. Well, it's been my great delight. Thank you. I've been speaking with Margaret J. Wheatley. She's the author of Perseverance, as well as So Far From Home, Lost and Found in Our Brave New World. And you can find out more information about her work. You can go to her website, margaretwheatley.com. And Wheatley is W-H-E-A-T-L-E-Y, margaretwheatley.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. Thank you so much for being with us on the New Dimensions Cafe. And please do join us again. 
You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.